and I just feel into the energy before I start something really connecting, like, why am I doing this? Where's it coming from? Is it inspiring me? How will I feel? Because if it's coming from, you know, I think if the seed is, is corrupted, then the fruit can only be corrupted. So I think the more we get into that and, and understanding that, then yeah, the more aligned and easeful things will feel. Welcome to the Healing Cocoon. I'm Jacoby Gray, soul alignment and success coach and energy healer, which means I can intuit the subtle layers of your energy field to promote ultimate health and well-being. My goal for this podcast is to shed light on the healing journey itself and help you feel more supported as you embark on the process of unpacking your past to consciously create your present and start living the life of your dreams. Through the study of coaching, kinesiology, holographic kinetics, meditation, Reiki, the chakra system, and many other modalities, I've learned how to release the blocks that were holding me back. Now I'd love to help you do the same. By embarking on your own self-healing process, you'll see the world transforming around you in ways you never thought possible. You'll begin to experience more connection clarity, love, fulfillment, synchronicity, and success than you've ever had before. So welcome to the Ascension. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back to another episode of the Healing Cocoon podcast, where I interview practitioners and entrepreneurs who have been through their own healing journey and now utilize the skills and the knowledge that they gained along the way to help others. And one such person who's devoted his life to being an instrument for humanity's awakening is today's guest, conscious entrepreneur Andrew McFarlane. And we crossed paths for the first time in Bali in 2017, and I would best describe him as the seed sower. I'm not sure he would bestow himself with that title, but that's definitely my experience of our conversations because the conversations we have along the way always come back around when I find myself having the very revelation he's previously spoken to me about and I'm like oh that's what he meant by that I get it now (laughs) and he actually talks about that in this interview how we can have a conceptual understanding of something but it's not until we viscerally experience it and it becomes a knowingness that we can then integrate that as a new level of understanding in our lives and then that obviously takes us one step closer to being able to make conscious choices rather than unconscious ones. So I always find my chats with Andrew super inspiring and sometimes even intellectually challenging as my my conscious brain is trying to grasp at these concepts that I don't yet have a blueprint for. And Andrew himself is an actor turned conscious entrepreneur and he started his career in Hollywood at the age of 12, appearing on notable television shows like The West Wing, Kings of Qu- King of Queens and ER. And he's also probably most recognized for his role as Tony on the hit ABC sitcom My Wife and Kids. And after his 15-year career as an actor, he changed direction to focus on developing socially conscious business ventures. In 2011, he launched a juice business called Open Source Organics in the heart of Hollywood that grew into multiple locations. And now he spends most of his time working on all of his conscious businesses, businesses, didn't 
try and get my uh, mouth around that because he actually has many. He is a plate spinner. Andrew uh, is someone who at any point in time can have like probably 50 plates spinning and just casually look like everything is fine. Um, I don't know, guys. It's a gift. It's a talent. <laughs> and it's something I admire about him very much. So he spends his time now working on his multiple conscious businesses and mentoring other aspiring mindful entrepreneurs. And if this chat leaves you lit up on the inside like it did me, and if you're loving the Healing Cocoon podcast, then please jump online anywhere you get your podcast to rate, subscribe and review because it really helps us out. But more than that, I would love it if you would share this episode, because like I said, Andrew is a seed sower and you will hear information in this podcast that will kind of not only blow your mind, but open your mind to future experiences, new understandings. And even if you don't quite get some of it right now, just hearing it is enough. So you spreading the word and passing this podcast on to other people is also helping to um, play a part in awakening um, humanity as well. And this is not a sales pitch. This is actually genuine. <laughs> I'm not using this as a marketing tool for the Healing Cocoon podcast. I truly believe that Andrew's wisdom is something that should be shared. I was meditating as a child. I didn't know I was meditating, but I, I had the awareness like I can sit down and breathe and like work on my energy. So, you know, and this is at four years old, five years old. I have very vivid memories of doing this consistently. And, and so that was, you know, I would say there's a part of our journey where we consciously take on whatever practices with the intention of knowing that we want to evolve. But there is no, in my vantage point, being on a spiritual journey and being not being on a spiritual journey, because if, if we believe that everything is spirit, then we're always on it. The question is, do we know we're on the track? Or do we not know we're on the track? That's the question. And for me, I grew up really religious. Uh, I, was, I was raised Christian. And I found that probably around, you know, 15 years old, I started asking questions that just really weren't being answered that didn't make sense to me in, in that religion in a sincere way. So I would say that's still part of my journey. Uh, it just led me down a different kind of path of exploring different things like smoking a lot of marijuana, you know, and eventually in my early 20s doing mushrooms. And that was the point where it was like, you know, like whole nother dimension, you know, because I had an out of body experience. I wasn't in my body for the majority of that journey, maybe five hours, to six hours. It was just like an absurd amount of time to not be in this physical dimension. And then coming back, it was really hard for me to integrate a lot of the things that, you know, this consciousness had experienced and then coming back into this like ego awareness and you know, separate identity as being an individual. Whereas for in that most of that journey, I didn't have any consciousness of actually being an individual. I was very conscious, but I wasn't conscious as me as the individual self. And so coming back, it was really, really, really challenging. I mean, it was definitely like the darkest phase of my life. It's not, and dark doesn't even encompass it. It was really, really, really um, like soul uninhabiting. Um, but it came around that I was at this, uh, I was looking in this bookstore that was closed and it was the evening and I saw 
the cover of this book, Be Here Now by Ram Dass, which I had, known, I had not known anything of Ram Dass. I knew nothing of this, but the cover of the book, something said, you need to read that book. And I went there the following morning and the book was gone. I was like, that is so strange. Like, how did someone buy this book? Anyway, let me go online. And so I went and did a quick Google search, you know, where can I find this book called Be Here Now in LA? And then um, a link for Agape Spiritual Center popped up, um, which is a a big kind of well-known spiritual center in LA. So I go to the bookstore there, I find the book. And then I also notice, oh, they do meditations. They have a little sign on a whiteboard. They do meditations, you know, uh, once, once a day. That just kind of, you know, stood in my mind because I'd known of people. I had my, my close friends, older brother meditated regularly. His parents were devotees of the Maharishi. Um, and so it was in my consciousness, but I didn't really know what meditation was or what the purpose of it was or anything else. So um, I ended up reading this book and Ram Dass is sharing stories of experiences that I also had. And up until that point, I had never spoken to anybody or known of anybody who had had experiences, you can call them transcendental experiences that I'd had. So I had no words for it. I had no map. I had no capacity to relate to other people. And that was really isolating. Um, But that was what happened when I read this book. And then it led me towards taking on pursuing a practice of yoga, which, you know, is to meditate uh, and those things. So I would say if, you know, there was a conscious moment in time where I started taking on my spiritual practice, then it would have been, you know, kind of catalyzed by that and in, in around my early 20s. Right. And so you mentioned um, a transcendental experience. When you were when you were out of your body, I know it's so hard to describe, but I know there'll be a lot of people listening going, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Like, is that even and i and i imagine how do you explain that to someone in a 3d kind of like very mm-hmm. material world form but if you could try mm-hmm. it'd be really interesting yeah there are you know i think that the 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 danger i will say about because the thing is when you your mind and your body are connected so there is a point when you leave your body oftentimes you're, there is a mind and there is an intelligence there, but it is not the kind of intelligence that we're aware of, right? It's like in the same way that there's a knowing that you have a mind, but that knowing that you have a mind isn't mm-hmm. your mind, right? It's like there is an intelligence in things that are not just conceptual. You, you, we already in this 3D world have things that we know, but we don't conceptualize them. They're, they're a deeper knowing. So I often say that the mind is a reflection of intelligence. It is not intelligence itself because we know there, there are things that animate this reality that are uh, intelligent. They, they, they have consciousness, but they might not have an individual mind that's having thoughts in these things. And so um, the thing is, is that when you start to describe and explain things that are beyond the mind, it starts to feel more abstract. And so the only thing we can do in this three-dimensional world is make stories about it. So we're like, oh, it's like this and it's like that. And it's like for me, when I remember before I had done mushrooms, I would meet people who had done it and they would tell me things and I would imagine, oh, it's like this and it's like that. It's, you know, because that's all I can do is project. And then when I have the experience, I think, oh, how silly, you know, like how silly if I ever mind to believe that <laughs> I had any idea what this was going to be like, because this is like seeing a new color 
it's literally like and so when the the whole idea of something being you could say transcendental is is it's a new color but at the same time it's very familiar to our soul that's the paradox of it is on a soul level it's so familiar because i remember being in a certain dimension on this journey where like i would come in and out of of certain like memories of being but i remember being in a certain space where you know how they talk about uh, that there uh, in christianity they talk about sometimes there's a seventh heavens you know this whole idea of there being layers to heaven i actually remember being in a space that was i could i knew was in between i was like oh there are dimensions above me it was very clear it was like and there are dimensions below me but this isn't a thinking thing you just like get information and i remember also having this like this like soul level laughter of remembering how serious I thought my life was, right? And my fear of dying and like all of these really simple things that are so, that I think we just um, are uh, encapsulated by on a regular basis that just have, have such a strong presence in our existence. Uh, and when, when you're not in your body and that's gone, it's just a, it's, yeah, you know, t timelessness, like all these things that are, we're so familiar with that are parts of this dimension, because this dimension has, you know, physicality, you know, feeling. Uh, but then there are certain things when you transcend that still stay. And then other things that just totally go like time is not there. You know, you understand, oh, I'm in this eternal dance. It always has been, I've always, which is a hard thing to conceptualize because we in this linear time frame from the body, we're born and then we die. So we think about everything linearly, but we also do have experiences that kind of touch that eternality. Like, you know, if you listen to a song, your, your, the experience of listening to a song or dancing is to be in the pure enjoyment of that moment. We're not listening to a song being like, can't wait for this to be over. Like, where is this going? Like, you know, we don't think linearly and experience it linearly when we're, we're in that experience. And so in many ways, part of the experience that I had in different dimensions is the like the purest knowing, not from a thought, but experientially, energetically of that is what you are, right? Like what you are in this reality to us can be such a mystery. We're like, who am I? What am I? But then in another space for me outside of the body, it's like not from a thought, but like I am life. And what does it mean to be life? It's, it's, I often use this metaphor of like people standing on the beach, looking at the ocean, describing water, and they know about water because they've heard about it. And they say, oh, water is H2O and it has these qualities and it's wet. Well, what is wet? I don't know because I haven't experienced it. And then when you walk into the water, you know it so deeply, but you can't describe it. You cannot because it's such a deep, uh, immersive uh quality of connection and truth, but you don't have the words for it. And, and the words will never do it justice because words are always a dissection of the whole. And when you have a whole and total experience in any regard, to reduce it to words in some ways is like, a, yeah, it's almost, I'd say it's offensive. It, you know, it can be offensive, but it's, it's, it's more like it will never do it justice because Oftentimes when we're in awe or we're in love or we're in any experience of full enrapturement, the words are the first thing to go. But then there's still doesn't mean that there's not communication happening. It doesn't mean that there's not knowing happening. And so, um, you know, yeah, there's there's many things that 
are there and and in, in in a lot of my experiences too that I've had that you could say are not normal um, I've been sensitive in sharing them as well not for uh, for other people but also for my sake because I know that my ego has the capacity to um, start to crystallize them as part of my this individual story and then I sort of lose energetic familiarity because I'm I'm repeating it's almost like this mantra of what that experience is or was when the reality is it's not that's not what it is or was what it what it is is an energetic thing so i need to stay connected to the energy of that as opposed to uh continuing to to crystallize it as like oh i did this and this thing happened it's like then it, it almost like creates a shadow of the reality is you know someone once said that you know today's spiritual experience can be tomorrow's ego trip and we get really caught on that you know we really want to like hold on to all those things and we're like seeking this high but the more that we get into those stories you know the ego uses it uses it for ammunition to trap you more and more and more um and so it's sort of like a yeah a slippery slope so are you able once you touched that space which sounds phenomenal i love the idea that we are an eternal song once you touch that space, were you able to get back to it every time you meditate or is it something like, is it part of your mm. life now? And part um, of your existence? Yes and no. It's like, so I, so what I'll say is this, is that I have, I've had a few other like out of body experiences and then other experiences that are, you know, energetically familiar yet unfamiliar, we can say. Um, but I also, one of the realizations that I had the last time like going in and out of my body was this idea of here and there is also another one of the illusions right that's one of the illusions as well it's like yeah, wow. i need to go <laughs> there like what do i want to transcend where are you going and why do you want to go there because if we are willing and available which is really the thing that i work on inside of myself i don't work on the desire to leave my body that's Anything that happens is a byproduct of how receptive I am, how truthful I'm being, how in alignment I am. That's the goal. The goal is not to leave your body. The goal is not to go somewhere. You'll go where you need to go. You'll stay if you need to stay. The point is to be, it's qualities, it's energetic qualities that we're cultivating inside ourselves. Whereas I think there was a period of time where maybe because I had such a deep soul curiosity as to like what's behind the veil and that was going to, that was a source of peace for me. That was what I needed for a certain kind of healing. Then, then I need to explore it that way. I needed to, to, to go through that process. But through that process, it also kind of showed me, it's like, you can't attach yourself to transcendence either. Like there, you can't do that. That doesn't, those two things don't go together. So the work and the process is actually about being fully where you are, wherever you are. And here, there, mm -hmm. where are you going to go in an eternal space? Like, where is up in a circle? You know, because that's what you're in. You're in the in infinite universe. Like, what is that? It's just different gradations of density oftentimes. But it's not that there is even, the, the reality is there's nothing and there's no plane that's more or less spiritual than any other plane. And that's a deep one to get. That, that actually doesn't exist. The question is more about what your level of suffering is in any of these dimensions. So it's, that's the game. I'm interrupting this awesome chat to tell you about one of my all-time favorite creations, the chakra meditations. 
a potent combination of yoga nidra, binaural beats, and the chakra system. These meditations are designed to guide you into a deep state of relaxation where your nervous system can totally decompress and create the space for healing. I took my time crafting these meditation scripts because I wanted to make sure they resonated with every ounce of truth, transformation and light I could hold. Each individual meditation addresses the specific attributes of each chakra and has a soundscape composed by source vibrations that is attuned to the frequency of each chakra as well. So from the main root aspects of prosperity, grounding and belonging, all the way up to the bliss, self-reflection and enlightenment of the crown chakra, each meditation is going to take you on an intricately curated journey to energetic freedom. You can download them via the link in the show notes of this episode or on our website, urbanascension.co. That's C-O, not .com, urbanascension.co under the chakra banner. I can't wait for you to experience their magic. So speaking about the suffering aspect, this happened to you, your first awakening when you did the mushroom there, yeah. at 21, is that right? Around there. And you at that stage were quite a successful mm. actor in LA. So talk about an ego identity of mm -hmm. all levels. How did you then, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier that your integration process was pretty an intense one but can you actually talk us through some of the the experience of I guess the suffering that you went through in trying to marry these two worlds and I guess ultimately mm. shed your ego identity the the thing with like having certain experiences with the ego I think once again sometimes the pathway to certain things is sort of like roundabout right it's like I, I believe that trying to shed an ego identity isn't the way to shed the ego identity, right? It's pursuing the sincere things kind of as to what I was speaking to before of just wanting to know what's true, right? Just having a sincere desire to know what's true. Everything else will fall away if we're sincere on that pursuit and to be truthful, right? Because there's to know what's true and to be truthful. And those are, those are interconnected. But for me, I was just disillusioned by the world in all respects not simply even just an actor because i think being in the world of entertainment is sort of a, a hyper crystallization of all the most shallow and vain things about society in some ways i don't want to just like say that that's all that exists there so i do believe there are people that are doing beautiful work and and sharing powerful things with the world but in my experience that's sort of the minority as opposed to the majority of the experience and so for me the the world of entertainment was in many ways a personification of the deeper uh, meaninglessness of of uh, of most of the world to begin with because even people who want to be big ceos or whatever else it is it's just another there you know it's it's a game of power it's a game of of fame it's a game of uh of things that can be very self-serving and and i had this experience of just coming out of that, just looking around and thinking like, so, so viscerally, we're all dying. And we're, this is how we're spending our time. What are we doing? And it's all meaningless. It's like, it's all pointless. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Go be an actor, get famous. You're going to die just like anybody else who's doing anything else. And you think it's so important, you know, like 
and I'm speaking to you, everyone, and myself. And so for me, I've, I'm losing the motivation to be able to pursue this in the way that I used to, right? Because what, what fulfilled me as a younger person was like success, you know, like getting famous, being, being somebody that other people think are important. So therefore, I feel valuable, you know, and that's such a uh, shallow and, uh, yeah, limited experience of joy whereas joy like real joy i wouldn't even call that joy that's like you know maybe pleasure or something else it has it's fleeting whereas like yeah real joy can only come from our realization and connection to what is ultimately true and in alignment with the fundamental existence of life and living from that place and swimming in that place um otherwise you're starving you know like your your soul has no sustenance your soul has no uh it can't drink the water of that. Everything else is sort of, and it's like Sadhguru talked about this. He used a different metaphor, but like um, he was talking about love and attachment. He was talking about this, like this rose. He's like, love is like a, a beautiful rose, but it's very sensitive. It's very like, you have to be gentle with it. It has a certain kind of quality. Whereas like, you know, attachment is like this artificial rose. It looks like a rose, but you can do anything you want with it. And so it's sort of in the same way thinking like, there are things in life that have the, uh, that imitate the source of happiness, but aren't that thing, you know, so it looks like you're eating something that has, you know, nutrition in it, but it's just empty calories. You, there's so many things that we're given and, and that's the society we grow up in, right? We, we wouldn't worship celebrities unless we thought they were worth worshiping. You know, we wouldn't tell people to get rich and famous if that wasn't valuable and meaningful and like the the pathway to happiness you want to have a you know house with a picket fence and you know like that's the thing and then so many people experience these things so everyone has i think their own disillusionment to different degrees for me it might have been through fame and it's maybe like a very um extreme version of that but everyone has versions of that where it could be the marriage you want to get married to this person because that's what happiness is as the kids and you look around and you're like yeah this is good and i'm not married and i haven't been so I, I'm, I'm sort of speaking very um, loosely, but I think that we all have the experience of accomplishing the things that we think are going to make us happy and then looking around and going like this, this, there's something here, but this isn't it. And so for me with my career, yeah, it was definitely like, this isn't it. And then trying to find a different approach. Like I started to continue to act for another five years, but I was meditating a lot and I just had a different thought around it. Like then my goal changed from like, let me get famous and rich to just like, let me walk into a room full of people or wherever I am and just reflect a certain consciousness. Let me just show up and be like, I'm going to radiate the presence of who I am and that will impact people the way it impacts people. And that's my goal really, you know, but then eventually I was like, okay, you know, what am I doing in terms of my impact in the world in different ways? Like what kinds of projects am I a part of? Do I think that I'm really expanding humanity's consciousness? Is this, you know, and, and that got less interesting to me. So there was sort of like a slow uh, gradation of and degeneration of my interests. But that took about five years of me because I also didn't know, like, what am I going to do? I'm like thinking, am I going to give all my money away and go move to India? Am I going to go live in an ashram? And like those were sincere thoughts that I had, um, very, very sincere thoughts. And um, and then, yeah, now now it's interesting being an entrepreneur where there's some sort of freedom and i feel like the last mm, 10 years of my life have been this this integration of 
being in the world, but not fully of the world and then playing a little bit more because I don't feel things are as heavy, you know? Um, and so like now I can dan dance it and be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, and I know that this is meaningless, but I can still play with certain things and like, I just not get lost in it. So it's interesting to see how sometimes in life we can end up maybe back where we started, but where our vantage point is different, the way we experience it different but on paper, it can look the same, but it's totally different because we've already like walked around the sun or the earth and now we see it differently. I'm glad that you mentioned the metaphor of nourishment, well, starving versus nourishing yourself, because that's something you then moved into and began your entrepreneurial journey is when you created your mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. vegan juice bar. I mean, are mm -hmm. all juice yeah. bars vegan? I'm not sure. But yours was intentionally vegan, which then grew to be mm -hmm. a small chain of two stores. Um, can you tell us about that journey and how that was more fulfilling for you in terms of being aligned with? Yeah, so I'd gotten really into health um, in my early 20s as well, um, prior to the whole uh, sort of psychedelic journey. I, I stopped eating meat and then was like uh, drinking, a lot, drinking a lot of juice and just wanted to share that with people. And that became for me much more meaningful. It's like supporting people with their health, I still feel like that is one of the most powerful gifts you can give someone because whether humanity realizes it or not, anything that we do in this life and our ability to do it is a byproduct of us being healthy. If we're not healthy, then we don't have the capacity to pursue that relationship, pursue that career. And so sometimes people sacrifice their health for those other things, but it's like, well, you have to remember, like, that's the basis of your life that allows you to pursue anything in this body. So take care of that. And so for me, it definitely felt more meaningful and helpful um, and purpose-driven to support people get, getting healthy. Uh, and But I had a lot to learn, you know, because growing up as an actor, I was, we could say before entrepreneurial, but I wasn't an entrepreneur. I never had a business in this kind of way. So I, I had to learn a lot of really hard and difficult lessons. And it was like, it was a crazy amount of work. There was a you know, period of time I remember where probably for about eight months, I was sleeping, no exaggeration, two hours, maybe three hours a night for to the point where I was like, like literally in the waking state, I, I could see where like dreams were starting and I'm like awake. And I, I remember falling asleep. Like I'd never fallen asleep in a random place and then just woken up like, you know, how, what, what happened? Like I remember just literally falling asleep on the floor of my juice bar. I was like doing inventory in the bathroom and I literally woke up on the ground, not even recalling this idea that I'm going to go to sleep. So that was a crazy period of time in my life where I was working more than I'd ever worked ever, but hands down. But I had this vision and I wanted to make it work. And I pretty much put most of my life savings into starting this business. And so, uh, yeah, that was a journey of, of opening one store. And, and, and it helped me mature in a lot of ways because I think having responsibility and, you know, having realizations also about a business because there's own, my own illusions in that too, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to start a business and people are going to be, you know, thanking me like, oh my God, I'm so happy this place exists and like you help. And like some of that was there, but also then you have the other stuff that happens that you don't expect, like people calling you at 2 a.m. being like, hey, the refrigerator exploded or someone broke into the juice bar and you're like, okay, you have to deal with this. And so that's different. Whereas when you're an actor, you're sort of like a part of something, but you're not you know, responsible for the entire thing. Yeah. Mm, and so when you're, you're in this position, mm. it's also relentless. It's sort of like, 
being on a film set, but eternally, like it just never stops. It doesn't, there's not for a day, not for a moment. When you're like doing a movie, you can be there and you work and you're like, okay, I did that for, you know, four weeks. And then now I take a break and maybe I'll do another movie soon. This is like six years. It's just like we're, we're every day. Um, and then, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, so eventually I sold that business and then started, you know, a few other businesses and partnered in other companies. But it, I just got smarter about how I wanted to, help the world with my, with any product that I was a part of and how to position myself and, and do things smarter so that it, it supports my um, chosen way of existing. So your personal ethos now, um, what would you say is the one thought that penetrates all your actions in terms of mm -hmm. how you show up in the world? That's a good question. I don't know if I'm honest that I have a thought that drives me that I think about, you know, for me, I probably have more questions, right? I don't have like an answer. Like this is my thing. I, I, I exist in a way that's more curious. Like the question drives me more than an answer of this is what I'm pursuing. So that feels more authentic, but I, I definitely am aware of certain themes of stages of my life. So I'm aware of the theme of being more honest and authentic to myself, even if that challenges ideas I have of who I think I'm supposed to be, because that comes up a lot, I think, in, in early stages of spiritual journeys, the what we call the spiritual ego, right? Oh, I'm spiritual now. It's like, then that means that I talk with a soft voice and I'm very, you know, like whatever you think that means, because we have so many ideas of that. And I... I feel for sure I went through and I'm, you know, who knows, maybe I'm working through stuff like that now, but it was much more present to me that only in hindsight, I could go, Oh, like none of that stuff makes you spiritual. And th that idea of even being spiritual is something that I kind of um, have grown to have an aversion to as well. So it's just like, we just keep living out all these ideas, all these, you know, identities. And, and really at the end of the day, what do we want? We want to feel free and we want to, you know, relieve our suffering and the way to do that is to be authentically you so for me that's probably been more of a, a theme in my life for the last five years I just like relaxing into myself and being authentically me and just knowing my heart like just connecting to my heart and what my intentions are through my life uh so i don't know if that fully answers your question but that's that's what comes to me yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And I know that you, um, you have multiple businesses now, plus you still, um, create sort of skits and YouTube videos and you're mm -hmm. an extremely creative person. How, how do you manage all of these things? Do you think this, this awakening that you had that has connected you to something much greater than, I guess, purely just being human has given you some kind of superpower to be able to just gracefully do all these things. Like what is Maybe. the secret? Actually, I think about that too, because I, I, I mentioned, um, I think before we started, I don't know if we were recording before, but we were talking about my friend that I grew up with whose dad uh, used to meditate with the Maharishi and his mom, they met at uh, the Maharishi ashram, I believe in India. And he runs these really big company, but he's like super just like, yeah, beautiful human. And he's meditating all the time. And it's funny to see that in many ways, you know, the Maharishi also said that the mind is like an arrow and the further you pull it back, the further and straighter it will go. And so 
I believe that yes, because there's there's a difference between doing and being effective. And I feel like the more I've gotten clear on my own energy and what my intentions are and what I want, I have a better understanding of what I can take on, what the implications are. Now, granted, it's not like I'm controlling reality because there's stuff that happens. But I, I feel that yes, I've gotten a bit more aware to even the cycles and attuned to my business. It's like, where is it now? What can we do? You know, what do I feel up for? How much energy do I have? What's inspiring me? And inspiration is a powerful energy, regardless of what we do, right? If you're just inspired and you're enjoying, all the energy comes to you. And so when I tap into doing things that I love more and more and more, it's just an excitement. It's like doing this show that you mentioned that I'm like in the process of editing now. I just love it. And with that kind of thing, I don't have to put pressure on myself because it is purely a creative endeavor to be like, I have this deadline. It's like, I'm doing it for the enjoyment. So if, it, if I edit it for the next year, that will be what it is. And if not, if it's ready tomorrow, then it's ready tomorrow. But I don't need to put pressure on myself, which I think sometimes in life, a lot of the stress we have and the overwhelm we have is actually from a pressure that doesn't exist. It's not a real pressure. It's it's not, you know, it's not a real, you know, mm-hmm. it's self-generated. It's self-generated. Because it's the mechanism that we tell ourselves that our ego has to fulfill. And so, but it's not a real survival. It's not like you're really in the jungle and a bear is about to eat you, but we have that energy as if that is the case. So I think maybe that's helped me get rid of that illusion around a lot of things because, you know, the truth is, it's like, yeah, I could lose all my money and I could be homeless, or but it, I did, it wouldn't have the same impact on me at this stage. It's like, I can just like, I'm like, okay, you know, not that I wish that upon myself. Yeah, I don't wish it I'll upon myself, meditate. but it's like it's easy for me to live quite simply. And I think because of that, maybe the paradox is in, in many ways, like if you look at a tree, like the deeper the roots go, the bigger the tree can grow. And I think the deeper that I've gone into myself and my process, the more I've been able to expand. And it's it actually feels simpler. Like I feel like maybe my life on paper or like from observation looks really complex, but I actually feel like I have a much more graceful life now than I did before. It's like, look at what we're doing. Like, okay, yeah, I woke up quite early, but we're having a conversation. So I'm doing, and then I'll have, you know, I have more client calls. I'll have more conversations. I like talking to people. So that's fun, you know, and then I'll have meetings with my staff. I love my staff. They're great people. So I'm just glad. And, and this is the other thing about it too. It's like, no matter what we do, we're just oftentimes the majority of it, just relating to other people. So I think when you fall in love with people and you love that process, and for me as an entrepreneur, having the choice of who I get to be around, that's a real big plus, right? It's like, because if I don't love talking to this person, I'd be mm, like, you know what? It's just yeah. not a fit. You're not working. So, because I want to sound with people that I love, so, <laughs> you know, talking to and, and relating to. Not that I don't love, you know, I love, I love, you know, everyone, but I don't love working with everyone um, or being around everyone all the time. So, uh, so yeah, that that's probably why it mm. feels the way it does. And, and I just feel into the energy before I start something really connecting, like, why am I doing this? Where's it coming from? Is it inspiring me? How will I feel? Because if it's coming from, you know, I think if the seed is is corrupted, then the fruit can only be corrupted. So I think the more we get into that and, and understanding that, then yeah, the more aligned and easeful things will feel. So because you're living in such a constant state of inspiration, do you ever experience sadness or depression or grief or loss so much anymore? Or are you so connected to the oneness that everything kind of just it's like water off a duck's back i don't know if it's authentic to say like i feel things more but yeah i feel all of it you know i feel maybe not in the same way i feel like when i was younger in a different state many things would consume me um and 
you know, people often say that like we'll, we will feel pain, but suffering is the the reliving of that experience. And so that's something that I would say is happening less. Like I, I if I have an experience, I'm having the experience, whatever it is, you know, it could be sadness, it could be whatever it is, but I'm, I'm knowing that it's like, this is what's happening now. And I'm, I'm being in this. And, and I also get conscious of if I'm allowing it to consume me, but I, I don't, I think sometimes people, you know, we call it spiritual bypassing. Some people, when they, once again, it's like, I'm spiritual. So therefore I should not feel any negative emotions. And then that leads them to a place where anything that feels negative, it's like, Oh, I need to repress that. And therefore, you know, to be in this state of, 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 of oneness, but uh, yeah, once again, I don't believe that I, I don't, and I don't experience life that way. I'm experiencing the authenticity of whatever the experience is. To me, that's what feels spiritual. If we were to say something was spiritual, it's like, to be honest, right? Like fundamentally to be truthful. And so truthfully in a moment, if I'm feeling, yeah, my heart hurts, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I feel that. I allow that to happen because there's information there. There's something there for me. It's happening, right? My To be more authentically you is to be allowing of what's coming up to accept the fullness of life. And that fullness is going to inspire different experiences in different moments. And for me, for sure, you know, um, I experienced still all the full color of, of, of that, but I, I feel the way that I, I experience it is different because that may be part of the um, context is also, I know that it's all for me. You know, if I'm having an experience, I'm like, Whereas maybe when I was younger, you're making me sad. You're making me angry. And, I, and now I'm like, this is mine. This is my medicine. This is my, this is my life. This is my thing. This is so in that way, there's grace in it and there's a gift in it and it can be painful. But I, I ask myself, what is it? If I'm having this experience, what's in it for me? What is this? It's mine. I have to own it. I have to be with it. And, and therefore there, there is a certain beauty in that as well. But yeah, I still, I'm, I'm still human. I hope this episode has inspired you to keep going on what can sometimes be a tough road to inner peace and true happiness. If you want to dive deeper into what we talked about today, go to thehealingcocoon.co for show notes and all things personal growth. And don't forget, if you're loving The Healing Cocoon, then put that love into action and subscribe, rate and review on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you download your podcasts. And until next time, my friends, let's rise and shine together.